Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. Are we, Bill? <laughs> I forgot my place again. You got your line. Your one line. It's one it's line. One. How do you forget? I was that? distracted by something shiny. <laughs> we, but nothing can happen until you say it. Speaking of shiny, we're going to talk about silver shiny things today. Nice segue, Bill, even though you didn't nice. know. Nice. nice. You're a pro. I like oh. when it works out like that. I always look for really, really, really random straws to grasp at while we're recording. So there it is. Found that straw. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate that. That's a little <laughs> Sutton that you heard trying to get us started at the top of the podcast. Hiya, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also here's Joe Shaw Extraordinaire. Hey, Joe. <laughs> Extraordinaire. Huh? Joe I like Shaw. <laughs> I am the uh, executive editor of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hankel, and I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And also with us today is Mike Wright. And uh, Mike is joining us from the roof of the Montauk Library, which apparently has a fabulous view. Is that true, Mike? Spectacular. I can see the ocean. Wow. <laughs> and that's also what we're talking about today, the ocean. Um, so Mike is a avid fisherman, and he writes quite a bit about the natural world in the paper. And this week, Mike had a story about the striped bass fishery and a change that is um, proposed for limits for catching striped bass from uh, charter boats. So Mike, do you want to jump in and talk about what is on the on the plan and how it's being received by the fishermen in our parts? Sure. Um, first of all, so it's not proposed. It, it is a done deal. Um, there's no going back at this point. Um, mm -hmm. This this was an edict from the from the federal agency or commission actually that regulates striped bass fishing, and uh, and it's an emergency action. So there's not really mm -hmm. in a lot of their a lot of their orders. There's there's little wrinkles um, where states can change the rules slightly if they want to, but not in this case. It sounds like so. Um, yeah, so striped bass, which are uh, the most economically and culturally important sport fish uh, on the East Coast uh, by far, um, you know, overall economically, maybe squid is more uh, is more valuable to, you know, commercial fishing sense, but striped bass are the most important and uh, they have a they have a sort of long and sordid history uh, in the in the world of uh, management, which Fish management didn't really exist until the very early uh, 1980s or actually the mid 1980s. Um, there were basically no rules on harvesting of fish um, and certainly of striped bass. Uh, and then they put in some very basic rules in the early 80s because the stock was, uh, you know, clearly declining. You know, this was back before there was extensive science and that sort of thing. Um, but it was uh, sort of too little, too late, and the striped bass stock in the mid 1980s basically collapsed. It was a, a tiny sliver of a fraction of what it had been 
even just a couple decades previously, um, owed mostly to uh, overfishing. I mean, they do have a very sort of um, uh, sensitive spawning uh, habit, which, uh, you know, they're an anadromous fish. So they're a fish that spends most of its life in the ocean and then spawns in rivers like salmon. Um, so then in the 1980s, it collapsed so bad that they had to put in moratoriums on it. Uh, they weren't allowed to be caught at all by anybody. There obviously was the, the famous uh, war with the Hall Saners out here and Billy Joel and the East Hampton Town Supervisor, Tony Bullock, getting arrested by um, New York State DEC officers protesting the, the ban on uh, Hall Saning, which was a certain type of commercial netting. Uh, it came back, they put in size rules saying you couldn't catch fish under a certain size. It started way up at 36 inches, then it went down to 38 inches, then it went to 28 inches in 1995, and the stock came roaring back and was enormous by the end of the 1990s, uh, back to probably what it had been, you know, before people started killing striped bass, or at least before people with motors in their boats started killing striped bass. Um, so one of the greatest success stories in the history of fisheries management, which then, of course, was very new. Um, but, you know, like everything, we, uh, we tend to get greedy when we do stuff like that. And so then the rules were, were rolled back and, you know, they went to a two fish limit and some states were even more liberal and allowed fish of, you know, very small sizes and allowing pretty much anything to be caught. Um, and, you know, the scientists that were tracking it and were getting very good at it back then started saying in about 2008, 9, 10, that, you know, we've had several runs of bad spawning years and you don't have a real healthy adult population coming up. You need to cut back on this. And they said they first reported this to the, this, this commission, the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commission, which is a panel made up of representatives from all the states between North Carolina and Maine, I believe, or Massachusetts at least. Um, and the panel refused to do anything about it and didn't impose any new rules. Uh, they kept saying, well, we need to do stock assessments and they put that off and put that off. And you know, they finally did one in 2019 and lo and behold, they realized that the stock was way overfished again uh, and that overfishing was occurring. And this is according to their science, which you know, there's some people take issue with that, but they said, and they said that it's clear that the stock is not um, healthy. And it wasn't what it was in the mid 1980s. It's still a much larger stock, but they said that, you know, you're on this, you're on this bad trend. Um, we've had increasingly uh, poor spawning years um, on the grand scheme of things. And uh, you, need to, you need to do something about it. So in 2020, they imposed a, a slot limit, they call it, which means traditionally it had always been you couldn't keep a fish under a certain size so that you only a fish had to be big and then once you got over that size you can keep anything so now what they said is that we're going to impose a top end to that also and so they made it 28 inches to 35 inches so a fish had to be at least 28 inches mm -hmm. mike what's the thinking about that why put the top end in well so the thinking so the thinking about that is is two things one you know, just that just means that less fish are going to be caught, right? So if you put a top and a bottom on it, that's a fewer number of fish that are available to be killed, basically, if you're following the rules. 
There's reasons that slot limits have been used in other places because large fish, very large fish are almost all females and obviously they drive the breeding stock. Uh And also they are the most valuable to sport fishermen because there's a lot of fishermen who don't care about whether they kill the fish or not. They just, they want to catch, especially in this day and age of Instagram with everybody with a camera in their pocket. If you catch a 40 or 50 pound striped bass, which is a once in a lifetime fish for most people, you know, it's a real trophy. Having a picture of a fish like that is super valuable and you will pay a guide or a charter captain to take you fishing just for the chance to do that. Or in the, you know, in the, in the circumstance of surf casters like myself and Annette's husband, you know, you're going to spend tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your life going surf casting and, you know, driving and spending gas money and buying food in Montauk restaurants because you're coming to Montauk because you're hoping to catch that 40 or 50 pound striped bass. But not take it home. And not take it home. You don't you don't even care. It's just it's a life mission. I mean, yes, in the old days, of course, you would kill it when you did. And you you brought it to Johnny's tackle and you got you waited in and you got your picture took and went up on the wall. Are they good to eat that big or or I mean, you know, they're that's debatable. Most people like the smaller ones, those big ones, you know, they they have an appeal because there's a lot of meat there, you know. I mean, yeah. my friend Dave Hawk in Watermill used to have a big beach barbecue on the fourth of July and he always needed a forty or fifty pound striped bass because they would cook it whole and feed like eighty people with it, you uh-huh. know. Uh, they would bury it in the sand and cook it like a, you know, you would a pig roast or something. It was, uh, it was very cool. You know, what's interesting, just to interject here, I had learned that all, all striped bass turn female once they get over a certain size, which I think is kind of fascinating. Even the males will like start producing eggs, which is yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. It, it very well may be. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know if. If I, I haven't heard that one, and but that's. It's certainly possible there are fish that do that. I think redfish do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I took a field bass. biology course at Southampton College, and that's what I was. And told. that's what they told you. All right. Well, there you they go. They told me in my field biology, so I'm sticking to it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's. It's generally. It's generally understood that any striped bass that's over 35 pounds is female so whether that just means the males stop growing at Uh that size or they become females after that that's i I don't know that's that's interesting just real quick too mike you said that one fish fed 80 people well you know i mean not everybody was eating the fish so this would be (laughs) loaves loaves in the fishes a 50 a 50 pound a 50 pound fish especially when you cook it whole like that so you're just sort of pulling you're getting all the meat off of that carcass that's a lot of fish Mm -hmm. Um, not everybody eats as much as you and i do joe (laughs) right right well and it's also it's a barbecue you know so you're just taking some on a plate you know whether you're going back for more or not but yeah, I mean, an 80 pound fish, I mean, those fillets are like uh, almost four feet long, you know, they're going to wow. be, they're going to be 40 inch fillets, 42 inch fillets. The fish is probably 52, 55 inches, something like that. And, uh, you know, and they're thick at the front end, it would be as thick as your palm is big, you know? So, wow. um, so anyway, there's that. And then, so then the bottom end, the 28 inches that has been the, has been the minimum size for striped bass for decades since the, since the 19 late, I think 95 is when they 
lowered it to 28 when the stock was really, really, you know, clearly roaring and there were tons of fish and they cut that limit down to 28 and it had been that forever. So, uh, I mean, well, 15 years or 18 years, um, that number was understood was they came up with that in that a, a mature, a striped bass matures sexually when it's eight years old and is about 28 inches. So the thinking there was that by setting it at 28 inches, most of those fish would have had a chance to spawn at least once before they were killed at, at 28 inches. So when they set the slot limit in 2019, they left the bottom end at 28 inches. And that's for up here, it's complicated. In Maryland, they're allowed to keep much smaller fish. It's a long story and, it, and it's a problem. But for, for up here where you have the most fishermen really, um, they left it at 28 inches and then they set the top end of the slot at 35 inches. So that was all fine. And, and it, it seemed to help because we have a lot of very big fish from a, that were born in the late 2000s. So 2009, 10, 11, there were a couple of big spawning years. Uh, and so you've got a bunch of fish right now that are in that 35, 40 pound range, which are very popular. They speed, they feed a lot of good fishing, Montauk, New Jersey in the late fall and early spring. There, there's just a ton of those big fish. And so by putting that slot in, they've protected a lot of them. I mean, some still die. There's complications with catch and release fishing. And just, just to correct, it's 35 to 40 inches, right? Not pounds. 28 to 28 to 35 inches is the limit. I'm talking about fish that are 35, 40 pounds. So 40 inches, 50 inches long. There's lots of them. Those are the ones that they're, they're not being kept. They need those, to those, are, those can't be kept, right? Some of them are dying, but you're killing a lot fewer of them than if you were allowed to be keeping them. So, right. um, so there's, you know, the slot limit helped that. The problem is, is that you had very few, you had a whole run of bad spawning years after that, after 2011, 12, 13, and 14 were not good spawning years. 15 was a really good spawning year. 16 and 17 were like mediocre spawning years. And then 18, 19, 20, 21, and probably 22 were terrible spawning years. Um, and that's driven largely by the Chesapeake Bay and the conditions there, which they need cold winters, which you know we all know we don't get anymore. 2015 was the last time we had a real deep freeze. So, so what happened was that those fish that were born in 2015, of which there's a lot of them, like probably 20 million or something like that, those fish suddenly grew into the slot limit, into that 28 to 35 inch slot limit. And all of a sudden last year, there were tons of keeper fish around. And according to the dock surveys that the technical committee for the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Service does, commission does, uh, the number of fish that were caught and kept by anglers in 2022 doubled from what it was the year before. So it went from three and a half million to almost six million uh, to over six million in one year. And that was, you know, clearly a big problem because the stock is overfished as of 2019 and they have to rebuild it by 2029. There's a, there's a federal law that says whenever a stock assessment is done and it deems that a fishery is not uh, meeting its sustainable spawning goals, you have to rebuild it within 10 years, no matter what rules that requires. 
Wow. So they have till 2029 in after the 2021 season, they said there was like a 95% chance that the rules that they had set. So that that slot limit that 28 to 35 inch slot limit up here, and the rules separately that they had in Maryland, were going to allow the stock to rebuild to what it has to be by 2029. After last year, they said it was about 15% chance that that would happen if everything stayed the same. So there was a push by a, a, a group of mostly recreational fishing led uh, led advocates that said you need to slash the number of fish that are caught right away. They had a meeting on May 3rd and it's sort of unheard of um, that commission said, you're right, we're cutting the limit. And so they cut the limit down to 28 inches to 31 inches which is very small slot, but what they were going on is that those scientists said that after this year, at least half of those fish born in 2015, which are the ones they're trying to protect because they're like the future of spawning for the next at least five or six years, uh, at least half of those fish are over 31 inches now. And so if you put the limit at 31 inches, you'll be protecting a lot of them and really helping that, that year class. So they did that, an emergency rule. They said it has to be in effect in every state by July 2nd, uh, at least four, maybe five or six states immediately adopted it. They just said, that's the rule as of right now, um, all other fish have to be thrown back. New York has not done that yet. New York is having public hearings. They're gonna, uh, but they have to do it by July 2nd. The DEC said this week, we're going to comply with the federal rule by July second. They just, they're they're just they're just you know listening to the listening to the uh, to the feedback. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Cordoraro. In these trying times, working full time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. So so none of the other states complained about this? Like, um, um, well, no, they, the, the states aren't complaining. You know, there's there's sectors of the angling community because again this is this is this is um at least in most states it only applies to recreational fishermen it, it did apply to commercial fishermen in a couple of states just because they had rules that allowed them to keep very big fish and that was the one thing that this did for commercial limits otherwise it, they, it doesn't address commercial fishing um it they're going to do that this this was an emergency action it's only in place for 18 months uh, or 180 days, actually. So it'll, it's really just for this this season, and then they have to they have to adopt a permanent rule. Um, so they're discussing that, and that'll look at commercial fishing. But commercial fishing wasn't a, a big part of that, and certainly not in New York. Is there a large commercial fishery for 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 these fish? There, there is um, around. You know, in New York, um, it's in New York and New Jersey. It's modest. It's it's gillnet fishing. Um, it's, you know, it's done by, you know, real commercial fishermen on commercial fishing boats. 
Um, they use gill nets, you know, in New York, it's a fairly limited um, thing. There's only, you know, maybe a few dozen guys that do it along the whole, most of them are from Shinnecock or Montauk. Um, and it, it, it's seen as a fairly, uh, a fairly small impact. They go by tags. So they're only allowed to keep a certain number of fish a year. And it's really, it's only a couple of hundred. Um, mm. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of charter captains that have those tags that are allowed to keep them, you know, their fish that they had, the tag thing came around back in the late eighties. And uh, um, it, it's fair, it's a fairly small impact. It's like 10% of the toll harvest in New York. Um, so, you know, a lot of states did embrace this. They just said, that's good. Conservation is better. We'd rather have more fish. Uh, we're less worried about people being able to take home as many fish this year. But, you know, around here, especially in Montauk, charter fishing is a big sector of the fishing community. And it's driven largely by people who are coming out from New York City. It's not cheap. You know, a half a day of charter fishing is six fifty, seven hundred bucks, something like that. So that's, you know, split between six guys. They're spending a hundred, 150, 200 bucks by the time they've had lunch and tipped the mate and driven out here from, you know, Queens, um, you know, and they expect to go home with a bunch of fillets for dinner and charter fishermen are saying, you're going to make that really difficult for us to catch those keeper fish for our customers. And it's going to cost us business. One, one of the charter captains that I spoke to from Montauk said, I'm already getting calls from people saying, you know, are we going to be able to strike bass fish? Are we going to be able to catch some keeper striped bass? Cause you know, what, what, what are we going to do otherwise that kind of thing? And, you know, there's a lot of other fish that people eat around here and the charter captains have gotten really good at, you know, targeting multiple things. They'll, they'll go out, leave, leave the dock at six in the morning, they go troll and you know, try and catch their limit of striped bass as quickly as they can. And then they go spend some time doing something that's a slower type of fishing, like sea bass fishing and fluke fishing that you need to put in some time, but can also produce a bunch of fillets for people to take home and are very popular food fish too. So, um, so they're saying, listen, you're, you're really, you're really kneecapping us here with these rules and it's gonna, it's gonna hit our pocketbooks and it's not fair. The other side of that of their argument is that they're also saying it's counterproductive because it's a, a, a scientific study done about seven or eight years ago uh, determined that about 9% of all fish that are caught by recreational fishermen and are released alive die after that, even though they were released, either from exhaustion is a big one, um, just they get tired out fighting or they're left out of the water for too long is another problem that people take them out of the water and then leave them lying on the beach for two, three, four minutes before they put them back. You know, that fish is may swim away, but he's, he's going to die. You've, um, you've also, been an advocate. You Mike, have been an advocate too of, of being careful when you handle fish that you're going to release back into the, to the wild, that, that the way you handle that fish has a lot to do with whether or not it's going to survive. Right. Yeah, me and everybody else that, you know, catches more than about 10 fish in a year. And we see people that don't do that. But it's just, it's very hard to get that across to people, you know, people are not, 
paying attention. I mean, you know, if there's people in this country that don't know who the vice president is. It's like, you know, <laughs> getting, getting across some point that, you know, you need to take that fish that you is the biggest fish you've ever caught that you need to take the hook out and put it back in the water, you know, before yeah. you not just stand there and marvel at it, you know, it's, it's complicated. And, you know, and also people think of fish as, you know, they're stupid animals. And, you know, I mean, people kick dogs for crying out loud. How do they, how do they treat a, a fish that's just flopping on the beach there? You know, you see people, even seasoned fishermen that I know that kick fish back into the water. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. And, yeah. and, you know, they get hooks in their throats. They, there's just a lot of things that, that can kill them. And I mean, certainly I would say that there's no way 10% of the fish that I throw back die. And there's no way that 10% of the fish that Annette's husband throws back die. But there's some people that I would guess 30% of the fish that they throw back die. So, I mean, that's just, that's just part of the thing. And so the fishermen, the fishermen are making that point that if you're telling us that 9% of them are going to die and, you know, okay, we'll agree with that. But now you're telling us that we have to, we can only keep fish in this much smaller range, but we still have customers saying, well, we, there's six of us and we want to catch our six striped bass. They're like, well, we're going to go out and we're going to have to catch so many more fish trying to find fish in that smaller slot that aren't we now just killing more fish to right. try and save fish? You know, what, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of that? Very interesting. So on a boat, the limit is one striped bass per per person per person did per that day, change right? did that used to be two per person it was two until yeah when they did the slot limit they they cut it to one okay. fish only also yeah and so that's the same is that the exact same rules that would apply to a surf caster who's surfing right off the beach as well yes yeah, yeah same same it's been the same rules for a while there was a brief period where charter fishermen uh, boats on four hire with charter licenses had a different rule. Yeah. They were allowed to keep two fish over 28 inches, whereas other recreational fishermen were only allowed to keep one over 28 inches, and then you were allowed a second one over 40 inches. Oh. It, was a, it was a rule that was almost universally broken. I mean, it, it was, it was, it meant well, it meant that, you know, you could catch your 28 incher, but if you caught the fish of a lifetime after you'd already kept your keeper, you could keep it. But the way that the striped bass stock was, it just meant that everybody was keeping two fish because catching a fish yeah. over 40 inches wasn't even hard for many years there. And so we wiped out that whole mid mid, that was like the 2005, 2006 year classes that we just slaughtered. So when they did away with that, now those 2011 fish, when they got to 40 inches, mostly have to be thrown yeah. back. So what do you think, as a fisherman, what do you think of these rules, Mike? Do you think that it's a, a, a good idea or are you sort of agreeing? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I mean, my own personal feeling is, and I love eating striped bass, but my own personal feeling is I see the stock has declined and I think we should do anything we want. The problem is that, yes, charter fishermen are the ones in a real bind. Everybody else, screw them, deal with it, catch fewer, take home fewer fish. I think that in the grand scheme of things, the, the releasing of fish is not going to mean the mortality that that extra four inches of slot would. But I understand that charter fishermen, you know, are, are really hamstrung by this and maybe there is a way that they could have tailored rules that would allow charter fishermen, because again, in the grand scheme of things, they're a fairly small sector of the community. 
um, you know, even in Montauk where there's maybe a hundred boats. So figure that on an average day, I mean, I'm out there a lot. And if, if on a busy day, maybe there's 30 or 40 charter boats out, but that's, you know, on the rare Saturdays and the rest of the week, if you average 10 or 15, it's not, you know, it's not like it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, those guys aren't sailing every day and they're not straight bass fishing every day and that sort of thing. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think they probably could have, and it's one of the things that, that some of the charter fishermen uh, like Rick Edsel and Dan Genta um, had proposed was that there should be a separate charter boat sector that allows them to have slightly different rules like they did for a few years there. And maybe you could just allow them to stick with the old slot limit, which they were fine with. They were, you know, if one of them, Dan from the Double D said, you know, he acknowledged that that two fish limit for all those years was completely unnecessary and nobody needs to take home that much striped bass. Yeah. Every, all his customers would have been perfectly happy with one striped bass, especially if it's a 35 inch fish, which is, you know, dinner for four people or six. And, um, and then, you know, they're happy to, they're happy to take home one, but they need one. Or two, or two if it's you and me. Yeah, so. and and yeah. it's right, exactly. Well, yeah, no, me too. Yeah, thirty-five inch fish is is you know, that, that's two dinners for for me and my wife, not not four. You know, it's and some people would say that, but so, but they want that one, and they're he's like this summer we're going to go out and we're going to catch forty or fifty striped bass and tell them that they don't get to take any home because yeah. we didn't catch one that was under thirty-one inches, which you know, is going to be difficult. In Mon Montauk has always sort of suffered from the slot limit because we're sort of the mecca. We're one of those places that the big fish congregate. And so these guys catch a lot of really big fish out here and can sometimes have a hard, even at the 35 inch minute, some minimum had maximum, sometimes had a hard time catching fish under that on some days, like in August, when the little fish had moved north and all you had were these big resident fish. It was, uh, and that's what people come know. out here for, you know, it's sort of they want those giant fish. And, you know, right, right. one thing for the surf casters who just, you know, want to get the photo and put the fish back. But when you have people traveling out, um, you know, from the city, they really want to take the meat home, which is. Yeah, yeah. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. It's, it seems to me it would it would make sense to 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 give the charter boats different rules and kind of encourage that 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 business and the commercial aspect of it. Um, you know, while you're while you're limiting you know, other people, the surf casters and, and stuff. I mean, you, I, I understand you want to save the fish, but you've got to encourage that, yeah. that industry. Too. Yeah. And, you know, and they may do that. So again, this is like an emergency action that, like I said, it's only, it's only in place for, for six months and um, they're going to have to, they're going to, they call it addendum two, um, and they're going to have to draft real permanent rules that take into account these new this new reality and you know there's there's probably an opportunity for that 
it's not going to happen this year. Uh, and I think the fishermen know that. And, you know, I mean, you got to see how the, you know, you got to see how the cookie crumbles that, you know, we don't know that. I mean, maybe these guys won't have any problem. Maybe there'll still be plenty of 30, 31 inch fish this year and they won't have a problem catching their, catching their keepers and everything will be, you know, won't be as painful as, as we fear, but you know, we're not going to find out until after the year and then they're going to go through a whole nother fight next year where, you know, this is all going to be weighed again. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, it, it's not all of the charter fishermen that that uh, think this way. There's you know there's there's a whole sector of the of the charter fishing business that is focused on light tackle, so fly fishing and guys fishing with smaller spinning rods, which is a much more sporting oriented fishery. And those guys care much less about taking the fish home, but they remember the days in the early 2000s when there were the huge, huge schools of striped bass off Montauk, acres and acres across, and that every pond and creek in Peconic Bay and in Gardner's Bay was loaded with striped bass all summer long. And for those that crowd the last like five six years has been really bad because they're not seeing that you don't get those huge blitzes of fish the fish are not back in the bay um you know some of those charter fishermen say i used to be able to go catch 20 or 30 fish in a day with a guy fly fishing now i work my butt off to maybe catch four or five and you know most mm. of them i mean they're catching their fish but it's just not like it it's not like it used to be and those guys would rather see that amazing like national geographic thousands and thousands of fish and rolling next to the boat and you know they marvel at that and then they you know they book again for next year immediately and nowadays it's like guys are waiting they're like oh how's the fish in this fall okay you know, maybe i'll come and you know they end they end up just sort of hamstrung and and everybody wants to fish you know at the same time when the fishing's good so Mike, as somebody who's not that familiar with the, the fishing community, uh, I have kind of a tough question here, which is, how does enforcement work? I mean, when you have these rules, I mean, how are they enforced? And, and are the rules followed generally? I mean, it's a tricky question, but, but a fair question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, enforcement is very... Yeah, enforcement is very, very spotty and breaking of rules is rampant. But, you know, it's like, I hesitate to say it's speeding because I think everybody speeds. Um, but, you know, it's like, you know that the chance of getting caught is there. And so, you know, most people, listen, most people, if you set a rule, I would say that 75, 80% of people are just going to stick to that rule whether they think there's a cop out there that's ever going to catch them or not. They just think a rule is a rule. There's a reason for the rule. I'm going to follow that rule. Uh, there's other people who are just going to break the rule kind of no matter what, unless there's a cop standing right next to them. Uh, you know, they're going to find ways to go, you know, I know, I know guys, I mean, plenty of guys that surf fishing at night. I would watch them keep five, six, seven fish in a night. You know, they're not guys that traveled. It's like when the fish were on the beach right near their house, they just kept whatever they felt like keeping. And they knew that that's because for the rest of the year, they didn't keep any fish, you know, through most of that time. And so when they were there, they were going to take whatever they wanted. And, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's scruples there that are the real guidance. There is some enforcement. 
it's not enough to really make a difference if people aren't just going to follow the rules on the basis of following the rules. As far as the the charter captains, though, I mean they're they're more to follow, they have to follow. They the rules, yeah right? they have to they they have to because. I mean, it's happened, you know, party boats, which are, you know, another sector of the charter fishing industry. That's a, that's, they call it a party boat or a head boat. That's a, a big boat that just sells a ticket. So like you just come by yourself, you buy, you pay 80 bucks, a hundred bucks, 120 bucks, and you go fishing on the boat for the day. Whereas a charter boat, you have to charter the whole boat. It's 800 bucks and you can bring up to six guys. So those guys all know each other for the most part. Whereas a head boat can have 50 or 60 people on it. And, you know, there was a whole thing there that, you know, a lot of those guys were like, don't tell me to follow the rules. I'll, I'll follow the rules that I want to follow. And captains would, you know, either look the other way or they, you know, they have to say it. They're not there to go into the guy's cooler and throw out the illegal fish that are on board. Um, but they have to say it. And what would happen was that they would get ratted out by people that saw other people breaking the rules. And those people would call the, the fisheries enforcement and either they would be waiting at the dock and start counting the fish in people's coolers. And if they caught somebody, that person would get a ticket and the person on the, the captain of the boat might sometimes get a yeah. ticket if it was determined that they hadn't, you know, tried to enforce the rules. Or they would sometimes, they would actually send like an undercover guy who would go fishing on the boat and would be just a, an enforcement guy. And he would keep track of everything that had gone on. And then when the boat got back to the dock, they would just have the tickets all, And he would be like, that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy wow. all broke the rules. And the captain never said anything. He gets a ticket too. Wow. And, That's you know, a couple, yeah, it was, it was tough. So those, those guys have to, the charter guys have to follow the rules. Side note, that's a pretty cool job, I think, if you're the undercover <laughs> guy who's paid to go yeah. fishing every day. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. fish, the fish rat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, the charter guys, the charter guys, you know, they know they have to come back to the dock. Their customers are going to be taking pictures at the dock. You know, they, there's there's not a lot of hiding of, of fish to do if you're breaking the rules uh, on a charter boat. So. Um, yeah, those guys are following the rules and, and that, you know, as, as it should be, um, you know, in a, in a certain way, they're breaking the rules because the, the rules really are a per day and most charter boats do do two trips per day. And the rule, I mean, that's not breaking the rules. The rule is that they are allowed to do that. It's a, it's a per trip. But for me, it's per day. I can't catch a fish, go home and go back fishing, you know, a few hours later and say, oh, now I get to keep another fish. They are allowed to do that. So it's 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 technical but uh you know they they they're following the rules and you know that that's all calculated in the in the rules that they set you know the scientific world has gotten pretty good at uh at measuring how many fish are caught and and how many fish there are i know there's there's lots of criticism about these studies that are you know poorly done and this and that but in the grand scheme of things statistics does uh does get it pretty right I wonder, can I ask if you, does it seem like these regulations affect the New York fishermen more than they would fishermen in other states? Like you were saying, if they're getting smaller ones down in the Chesapeake, you know, they're like, yeah, sure, that slot's fine. I don't see that many big fish, you know? It's a bit like we're being targeted, you know, for that. Yeah, there's there's a whole thing there. Mar Maryland's a real problem because they slaughter the fish and they kill all the fish they kill. Uh, their limit is almost all fish under, I think their limit is 18 inches to 30 inches or 28 inches. All the fish that they kill are um, 
not haven't spawned yet and they kill a lot and a lot of fish the problem is that because the chesapeake bay is where like they don't have a lot of chances to catch fish that are if they had a 28 to 35 inch limit in the chesapeake bay they would catch no fish yeah there are no keepers because they you know their fish just they just don't catch fish in that size range very much they're just way smaller they have a trophy they have a trophy season early in the spring um, for catching big fish and that's a whole mess too but at least it's very short um, and but they're allowed to keep very big fish that unfortunately those are fish that are just about to swim into the chesapeake bay to spawn so you know is it unfair for it's pretty much them and then everybody else so everybody else more or less has the same striped bass stock uh that that as as the other states all the you know really striped bass fishing is is around chesapeake so maryland and delaware and then it's new jersey new york connecticut rhode island and massachusetts maine is getting more and more with global warming and they do have some there's you know there's some other places that striped bass spawn uh the the biggest number uh probably i don't i don't know what the percentage is but i would guess it's 65 maybe 70 percent of the striped bass population spawns in the chesapeake up in the potomac and uh, uh whatever that other river is um and then the hudson river has a has the second biggest spawning population always has uh, and then there's like the Delaware River has some, and there's some rivers in Connecticut and Massachusetts that have small spawning stocks. And then there's a, a whole thing in Nova Scotia that where that stock that they think that that's that stock probably doesn't even mix with the fish down here. Um, mm. So I mean, though, and and nobody's they're not tracking spawning in those rivers um, as much as they are. You know, the stock assessments are all really based on the spawning, uh, numbers out of the Chesapeake because that's such a dominating thing. So the, you know, the, the Chesapeake rules and our rules are kind of are what they are. And New York and Massachusetts and New England are, are generally on the same par as, as each other. Not so with other fish species, there's huge problems with fluke and sea bass rules that, are a whole nother a whole nother podcast (laughs) that the charter fishermen would really love to talk about so is there so i mean these rules are already set to go into place july 2nd so what are the fishermen who oppose it hoping to happen like why what are these hearings going to do you know i mean i mean i i don't know i think they just want their voice heard um you know the uh Fred Thiel and Anthony Palumbo, our, our state senator and assemblyman, wrote to the commissioner of the Department of Environmental Conservation. And, you know, they wrote a letter. So they took the stance. You know, they're hearing it from the captains. They sided with the captains. They said, we're concerned about this. We don't want you to impose these rules until you've, you know, heard all sides of the story. I think they're, that's their way of acknowledging that nothing's going to change. They just they want the charter fishermen to be heard, you know, if there's some opportunity, you know, I mean, there there are there's a thing called conservation equivalency that is something in the regular striped bass rules that allows the state to break from what the federal rule is Mm -hmm. if they can show that the rule that they're adopting will have the same impact. It'll have the same effect. They'll they'll Mm -hmm. it'll reduce the number of fish caught by the same amount as the rule that the state that the feds imposed and 
you know, that's an allowance that was well-meaning for states that have like little foible fisheries and would rather have a shorter season in order to be allowed to keep more fish during that shorter season or, uh, you know, have fishermen that would be happy keeping only two or three black sea bass in a season, whereas another state wants to be able to keep seven or eight during the short window that sea bass are in their waters. With striped bass, that just led to kind of rule breaking and, you know, a lot, a lot of people calling bullshit because New Jersey adopted rules that they said were having the same impact when everybody was like, no, that is, there's no way. <laughs> you're just, you're just making up numbers to fit what you want it to be. And, uh, you know, so there, there's some hope uh, that you could try to use something like that in this instance for charter fishermen, but I, I don't think that there's any legal wiggle room from the state edict that allows them to use conservation equivalency in this emergency moment. So is there, can I, I, you know, sometimes when I'm on the boat at the ocean, I'll see like the, the big fishing boats, I guess, right outside, like in international waters. Is it, what's the thinking? Do they, do those boats maybe from other countries, are they catching striped bass out there right outside the international um, no, so no international international waters is, is 200 miles. There's no there's no oh. international boats. There's no international boats inshore. That was okay. uh, or 100 miles. There's no international boats. No, it's 200 mile limit. Yeah, there's no international boats within 200. But there's state and federal waters, and state waters go out three miles. There's no striped bass fishing allowed in federal waters at all. Okay. So, I mean, most of the most of like the commercial draggers, they call them trawlers, that you see from the beach are in state waters, and they're fishing for squid and okay. flounder. And they are allowed to keep some incidentally caught striped bass. It's not very many. I forget what it is. It's like 80 pounds a day or something like that. They're allowed to keep some if they catch them by accident, but it's meant to be that they're not allowed to target them. There are some problems with that because those boats do on occasion, especially in the spring when they're squid fishing close to the beach, they just run into a school of striped bass. And so they catch you know, hundreds of them or thousands of them. And they're not allowed to keep them. And it doesn't happen super often, but it does happen. And they basically just have to throw them back overboard. And a lot of them are probably dead. And, you know, they they object to that because they should they should say, well, we should be allowed to keep those. But the, the people that set the rules go. But, you know, if we say that, then you're just going to go out and try to do that right. and say yeah. that you weren't trying to do it. And now all of a sudden you're just fishing for them. And that's no good. Right. So, you know, that's that's a frustrating thing about about the way the rulemaking works is that, you know, there's only there can only be exceptions for honesty and you can't expect everybody to be honest. So, you know, you have to you have to protect you have to make rules for dishonesty. And that's so frustrating. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. So many moving parts, too. I was just struck by the yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, fisheries, fisheries management yeah. and rules. And this is recreational, which is simple. When yeah. you get into the commercial stuff, it is absolutely mind-bending. I'm struck by the, your your comment that they, they originally last year thought they were 90 95% likely gonna gonna make those 10-year uh, requirements for the population of the striped bass, and it dropped to what did you say to like 15%, 15 percent? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. one year. So I mean, it's hard to make long-term plans. Yeah, that's statistics. And so basically, you know, the way you got to think that that's how that's a statistician talking, right? Mm -hmm. So 
they're saying it's a 95% chance, all things being being stable, right? If nothing major changes, these rules, you know, we're going to expect that with this rule, this many fish are going to be caught every year. We're doing an average of spawning. We're going to expect that this many fish are going to be born every year on average, even though, you know, a lot of conservationists are saying that they're using a much higher spawning average than we're actually seeing and a much lower average mortality than we were actually seeing. But so they're saying that's all things being equal. So now all of a sudden you doubled, really you increased the total number of fish that they were guessing died at the hands of recreational fishermen by a third because they've always said that it was about half caught and kept and half caught and released but died anyway because so many are caught and released that 9% of that is equal to as many as are kept. Right. And now you doubled the number that were caught and kept. So you've increased the number of fish being removed every year by a third. And they're saying that if that then now holds true for the next seven years until 2029, it's not the math that we were doing two years ago. And so it's a whole new math. And so you need to get things back to that old number. And we need to calculate that that spawning stock, that big year class from 2015 and somewhat from 16 and 17 are going to keep adding to the spawning stock as they grow older at the same rate we thought they were going to add it. So mm -hmm. that's where that's where it needs to be changed. And I mean, you know, the, the reason for that doubling also means that, you know, those fish are getting bigger every year. And so it's it's certainly feasible that when they set the rule next year, they can say, well, we can increase the top end of that slot because those fish are now going to have grown even further out of the slot. And so if we push the top end of the slot up to 33 inches, you're going to have the same number of fish outside of the slot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's all going to go by, they're going to do more surveys. They're doing, you know, they do the statistical surveys that guess how many fish were caught in a year. Um, it seems unbelievable to people when you get questioned by them that that tells them anything. But, you know, when you do crowdsourcing, it's, it, it usually gens, ends up being pretty accurate. A lot of fishermen are saying that, you know, they, especially in Montauk, um, they're like, what are you talking about? There's more fish than ever. There's been more fish in Montauk in May and April the last two years than has been in decades. Um, but, you know, the scientists and, and conservation-minded people say, well, that's just because you're where the fish want to be. And, you know, you've got tunnel vision, you know, you're, you're, you're just looking, uh, you're looking through your goggles and you're not seeing what's going on around you. And, you know, the, yeah, people in New Jersey have spectacular fishing, but only for uh, March and April and October and November, November and December, and that's it. And then the rest of the year, there's no striped bass in New Jersey at all. And, you know, that's what, that's where it's, you know, it's at the edges that it makes it hard to see when a stock is in decline because, you know, you go out on the water and you catch a ton of fish and you have a lot of great fishing days in a year. You're saying, well, what are you talking about? There's no striped bass. That's, that doesn't seem right. In the meantime, the pressure's on the striped bass. Go breed. Yeah. And that's the, that's the real thing about it, you know, is that they're, they're, the future for them is, is pretty dark at least in the chesapeake because you know we've they've really shown that those conditions that cold winter and then a really rainy spring is the key to getting big spawning years the really big spawning years that you know if they just spawned the average amount every year that'd be great but the problem is that you have years like last year where i mean they saw none like 
I mean, if you saw the graph, it's like scary where, you know, some of them it's like, you know, the graph goes way up. It looks like the Empire State Building and then next of it, you've got like a Pinto, you know, it's like none the year after that, which is really terrifying to see those those huge swings and then very little in between, you know, it's, uh, hmm. it's scary. But the thing is that we don't, you know, they're not doing the same sort of surveys in the Hudson and the Delaware, which, you know, if you think about if global warming is the thing, maybe, maybe those places are seeing much higher spawning and, you know, mother nature will find a way to balance things out. I mean, they're never going to keep up with what the Chesapeake is just because the estuary is so massive, but, um, you know, if, or maybe they're spawning in more places, you know, if the Connecticut river and the Thames river started having decent little spawns, the Peconic river, some people say they spawn in there. There's, one guy in Montauk who even thinks that they're spawning in Lake Montauk because there's a little trickle of water that goes up into Big Reed Pond and he thinks that striped bass are spawning in there because he sees such tiny ones in the spring. It's, uh, you know, We don't know. We'll see how it goes. All right, Mike. So close us out with your go-to recipe for striped bass. Oh, uh, salt, pepper, very light cayenne in the oven 325 for uh like 22 minutes nothing else don't put anything on it if you caught it that day or within actually don't even eat fish the day you caught them because they don't taste like anything you got to eat it the next day when it actually tastes like a fish speaking of the next day it's like i don't know if it's like coincidental but as i'm sitting here i'm smelling like rotting fish in my backyard so i suspect that my husband caught one and maybe three the remnants into the wood. Yeah, that's that's the dirty that's a dirty cooler. Yeah. No, I think I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to set about into the woods to find that carcass. I think. Yeah, don't don't throw your carcass in the woods behind your house. You're gonna get raccoons and rats. Rats, yeah. Apparently, we have rats in the Hamptons. Yeah, different podcast. So so said the New York Post. So said one unnamed person in the New York Post. Why would they lie? <laughs> They they all they also said the real estate prices are coming down. <laughs> it's because we got rats. <laughs> all right, well, stay tuned for the, all the news that is fish. We'll uh, check in with you. <laughs> all all the news, fish to print. <laughs> fish to print. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you. Or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.